10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. The TalkLine Network proudly presents its flagship program, TalkLine with Zev Brenner. America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. And now, your host, Zev Brenner. Host. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. We're back, and with us right now is Dr. Siva Backman Flamhoft, a lecturer in political science at Queens College, CUNY. She's a Fulbright scholar, a writer, a memorist. She's appeared at numerous academic conferences in the United States and abroad. Her Latest book is a memoir called War Widow, How the Six-Day War Changed My Life. Her previous book is called Israel on the Road to Peace, Accepting the Unacceptable. Dr. Ziva backman Famaf, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you. I know it's a fascinating book. So tell us, you grew up in what was then Palestine, became Israel. Your family came from Europe. You lost members of your family to the Holocaust. So tell us about growing up. And I know you went back recently to Eastern Europe to trace some of your, your roots. Right. So what do you want me to tell you first? So let's begin with the, what was like growing up before the state of Israel was created in Palestine? Well, um I was a little, a little kid. Um, I remember very well the War of Independence. Uh, as I described in my book, the way I ran with my parents to the shelter that was about, uh, I don't know, three, four hundred feet from my home. I remember being terrified by the bombing. I remember, you know, my family included all kinds, uh, 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 everybody from all um, political and um, underground, um, the Etsy, Lehi, uh, then the military. So I remember my uncles coming uh, from from the Lehi to visit. Then we have, can you hear me? Because I hear, I, I read my own echo. Yeah, you go ahead. I can hear you. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Okay. So not just part of my family, but we also had a neighbor who rented a little cellar in the, the, the building that we lived. And he was a member of 
uh, one of the animal groups. I was four year old when four four years old when he came home with a bloody uh, bandage around his head, and that terrified me. Of course, I didn't understand what was going on, but I also remember, it's also in the book, that at four, my mother sent me with a huge cake that she baked uh, to a, a little house across the street, and I was so careful to walk to that house so the cake won and nothing happened to the cake. Years later, I realized that that building was a cell, I had enough cell. And till, uh, until today, I don't, want, I don't know if it was just a cake for them to eat, for the group to eat, or, you know, in, during a meeting, or maybe there was something hidden in this. Um, you know, if there was a bomb in the, in the cake, or a gun, or anything in Not the... a bomb, but maybe a, maybe a let, maybe a, a, some notes, or who knows? <laughs> I never <laughs> asked. You never asked with that. So uh, so here you are. You're in Israel. Your family came from Europe. You go through the Six-Day War. You were married at the time, and you became a widow, and that's the subject of your book. Um, so tell us about growing up and your marriage, and let's go to the Six-Day War as well. Well, I grew up like um, any ordinary television uh, kid. Uh, every family had a story at the time. I don't know if we have time, but uh, my grandparents on my my uh, father's side came with, with the children, came because of my grandmother, also Orthodox, but she was a feminist and um, an unbelievable activist. They came in 1926 to Palestine. Uh, my mother came to um, Palestine in 1933 as a pioneer. She left at 18. She left everybody, all the family behind in Lithuania. And, of course, um, the Holocaust. Uh, some of my, uh, two of mine were survivors. And they were always, nobody uh, mentioned the Holocaust. You know, in Israel, nobody mentioned the Holocaust, not certainly not the survivors. They were always whispering about there, what happened there. Until the Eichmann trial in uh, 1960, where we all learned the atrocity and as a 16 year old at a time um, it affected my life till today uh, I went to high school I went to the military I was a rebel um, while in the military I met my husband uh, to be I married him after I um, ended my service um, you know I have a couple a young couple with a lot of hopes and then um, in May, from May to June, there are a lot of skirmishes between Syria and Israel. A lot, a lot was happening. Uh, a lot of talk about war, but a lot of hope that war will not break up, out. And a war did uh, break out, of course, as we know. And at the end, the last day of the war, um, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I ha- there was a knock on my door in my, our, apart- our apartment, in the apartment building. My parents were with me because I was pregnant with our first child. And uh, nobody, nobody had to tell me what does it mean that at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, there is a knock on your door. I opened the door, and there was a the city sergeant. who I did know him from my service in the military, and he told me there was no time to work. Well, I was hoping that 
when I heard that my husband was, he was injured, deadly injured, but at least he was alive. So um, he told me there was no time to wait. So I ran, I dressed quickly, ran with my sandals in my hands. A cab was waiting for us. And the longest ride to Haifa, to the hospital. There, um, because I was pregnant, the doctor wouldn't let me see my husband. Apparently, my husband asked him not to before. His last wish was that I wouldn't see him. But I didn't know that the doctor just told me in your condition, you shouldn't see him, but I um, insisted. I was walking with the doctor past a room from where awful sounds uh, came, and I just passed it, and then I realized that the doctor was not with me. I turned my head, and he was by that room. I walked into the room, and I saw uh, under a, a device a man that I didn't recognize was burned beyond recognition, uh, breathing his last um, breath, and I was screaming of work that, that that could not be my husband. And then I fainted. My mother was with me. She went to the hospital with me. And I fainted wow. into her arms. And the last thing I said before I fainted was, don't let his mother see him like that. So, um, and then um, I lost the baby a month after the war. And that's the whole other story. I was I was treated in a hospital. I nearly died because I had um, what was called acetone infection uh, or whatever. It, uh, um, that that's the Hebrew translation. And um, I felt that something was terribly terribly wrong with me. I let the doctors, but they told me no, it's depression. Um, nothing is wrong with you. And then. Um, I insisted, and I screamed, and the doctor saw something, and uh, I was close to death. And if I didn't insist, I would not be here to tell you the story today. Wow. So how, and then... Um, you moved, you know, to, you moved, to, you moved to the United States? How'd you end up in the United States? I'm sorry? How'd you end up in the United States teaching at Queens College? That, that, that's uh, a, a, story, a story unto itself. I became, after the war, the government of Israel uh, decided to end uh, war benefits, death benefits, to childless war widows. And I thought that it was uh, arbitrary, it was unjust, and I was going to fight it. And uh, I actually started to fight it all by myself because... Nobody, um, none of 128 silent war widows then, none wanted to join me because Israel was, you know, there was the Six Day War, the, the, the victory was, as we know historically, unbelievable. And nobody wanted to talk. Are you with, are, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you. Go ahead. No? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> the screen's then door. Um, so I went to the Knesset, and I wrote letters, and I uh, threatened to go to the Supreme Court. But a lot of things in my life happened at the same time. I had a stalker. I had an unfeeling, um relationship. Um, my father was uh, very sick. And I decided to go on a trip for two or three weeks just to breathe different air. And I also became very much involved um not only helping war widows, uh, but also 
uh, parents of uh, uh, the parents, and it was very unhealthy uh, for a young uh, woman, a young widow, and I decided to go on a trip, but I didn't have money. So I knew that there were uh, flights, you know, um, um, purchasing flights uh, to New York. To, to uh, I had not in New York. So I went to the um, defense ministry, the Duma had um, conflicting relations. On the one hand, I was fighting them. On the, on the other hand, they were very respectful and uh, of me. So I went there and asked, you know, I need to leave for um, for two weeks. Can I join a flight? Can you put me on a flight? So they said, uh, why two weeks? How about a job <laughs> for two years? So I was joking. I asked them. Um, so, uh, so, I, you, so you ended up in, in Queens College, and you're teaching currently politics, right? I'm sorry? You're, you're currently teaching in Queens College, correct? I'm teaching, in, I have been teaching in Queens College for uh, 36 years, yes. Wow. Um, and you teach about politics, and, uh, the, the Middle East, so... Middle East, ethnic conflict, um, and uh, international relations, and a variety of courses. Women in war, all kind of, every now and then I come up uh, with, with something new. Now, what are you finding on campus today? Now, Queens College is different, I would assume, but a lot of college campuses are anti-Israel, pro-BDS. Even in, like, Barnard or Columbia in New York, you have, you know, the Palestinians and you have a Palestinian apartheid week. What do you find to be the landscape of young people today vis-a-vis Israel on college campus? Well, uh, Queens has... um has a lot, actually had, uh, demographically, uh, the majority of the students uh, were Jewish. It's not uh, true any longer. But first of all, now we are not on campus for the last, you know, the, the whole, the, since March of last year, and I don't know, uh, we are not going to go back this uh, coming semester. So, but... Um, even though the population, the demographic has changed, Queen's College has not as been as bad, uh, the BDS and all, all that, not has been as bad as uh, in other uh, campuses. And when there was an incident or two, the president was very quick to, um, the, the, the president then was very quick to act. And um, I don't hear, I have a lot of uh, Muslim uh, students from the Middle East, from Pakistan, uh, I only um, experience respect. Sometimes, you know, there's different opinions, but uh, there's a lot of respect in the classroom, and and I must say mutual respect because I wouldn't have it any other way. But are these Muslim students pro anti Israel? Are you hearing that? And she says something interesting. It used to be Queens College had a lot of Jewish students, a lot of Orthodox students. You're saying the demographics has changed? The demographic has changed in the last I would say in the last ten years, yes. So is that by design? Uh, is that by design or, or what's heck? I know I I'm, don't think so. I don't I don't think so. I, I think just it was, you know, a process. I don't think it was by design. Uh, it's much more multicultural now than uh, than uh, it has it had been, uh, but um, 
personally in the classroom, uh, I, I haven't experienced, uh, at least at the beginning, about 30 years ago, the classroom used to be like um, a Middle East, uh, not, not a peace process, but there were a lot of outbursts, but I quickly stopped that. So um, there's always a very respectful um, um, give and take. What happened to me at the beginning, you know, um, and I don't know how your audience will accept it, uh, there are a lot of Jewish students who did not know much about, uh, nothing about the Palestinians, uh, not much about um, the Arab-Israeli conflict, but what they learned in a religious school. And I had students coming to my office, one or two students cried because they didn't know anything, not anything, but they didn't know um, the the viewpoint and the knowledge was not balanced. Well, should, um, well, should, well let me ask you, should, should yeshivas and day schools teach the Palestinian narrative to their students? I think so. Because uh, uh, well, our, 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 I think as more okay. knowledge. More, I think there should be a more balanced um, knowledge. Should be more balanced, and then you make up your mind. The students make up your mind, um, and to, uh, uh, through my experience, a lot of students thanked me for. I worked very very hard to be balanced in a classroom, so the students don't really know what my. Uh, you know, my point of view is. And a lot of students thank me for that. Uh, and I uh, think uh, some of them think it's very brave to be to be an Israeli and to, be, to teach um, uh, such a balance, um, in such a balance. No, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm curious to know if Palestinian or Arab or Muslim teachers, uh, professors in college, are also taking a nuanced approach with teaching the other side, or is it one-sided? Because what I'm hearing in college campuses across the country, there's an anti-Israel bias from professors that's permeating the classrooms, so it's already there. Do we have to go and present the Palestinian narrative when the majority of cases around the country, it's being taught, and it's the Israeli perspective that's not being advanced in the classroom? Well, both of them should be, uh, history should be told, right? It, all the narratives should be told uh, as, as in the most balanced way that we can. And from there, the student take uh, what, um, what they take. Sometimes you don't convince uh, students of uh, a viewpoint. Uh, sometimes I use a book. Uh, for, I'll give you, I don't know, an example. Um, that is, I choose the book with, because maybe it, it, it's not as expensive as others, or maybe it's shorter than other books. And if it's not balanced, I will I will um, warn the students that the book is not balanced, uh, and we'll take it from there. Um, I do find myself though um, uh, defending. Uh, the Israeli, the Israeli point of view, uh, as um, and trying to be balanced at the same time, and, and that is not 
Um, no, I, I know it's not easy, but I'm not just, easy. But I'm not just easy. wondering about how much do we have to bend Hard over work. backwards to be impartial when, when the truth is, is that you know, and as Israeli, you know what history. You lived through the Six Day War. You lived through the 1948 war, where they tried to drive the Jews through the sea in '67. So oh, that, that was, uh, uh, and I treat those wars as just wars. You know, the, 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 the theory of it, just, just, uh, just war theory or just cause of war theory, and they were absolutely just wars. But the Palestinian so narrative is that the Israelis, you know, are aggressors. They stole the land, and they came from Europe, and they uprooted the Arabs who were there for thousands of years, which was not true. So they have a narrative, but if when you teach the narrative, people can, can hear that. But it certainly is a false narrative to, to a large degree. Because so, so I just gave you a couple of examples where that's what they teach in the Palestinian and the Arab schools. So you, you, we can be balanced, but if we get to be too balanced, we could be doing damage. That's that was that's that's my question. Well, if you're too balanced, then you're not balanced. Okay, and that's exactly my <laughs> point. Okay, but you understand well, where where I'm so coming no, from? I'm, do I'm do not, we do we no, have to be? Uh huh. I'm not too balanced. Um. Because at the end of the but, day, the uh, truth prevails. Because if you believe Israel was right, then certainly the Palestinians are just came into being. Uh, they say if they would have had the land uh, that Israel has now, like Judea and Samaria, if they would have had that, there would have been no wars. But the fact in '67, when Israel conquered those lands, it was an act of aggression where the Arab countries were looking to throw the Jews into the sea. So that whole narrative is wrong. So when we teach that. You know, and from their perspective, the whole thing is, is, is I'm going to call it fake news or fake history. Well, but you, only, you don't only teach the, the, the Six-Day War. You teach what happened since. 1970, Yom Kippur um, War, where, they, where, they, where Egypt and the Arab country thought they would also destroy Israel and pick the holiest day of the year in order to attack Israel. Well, the fact that the Palestinian Liberation Organization uh, was originally used by Egypt, you know, against Arabs, and then eventually came to be against Jews, against Israel, the terrorist groups, and even to this very day, uh, Hamas, well, Hezbollah. The whole, you know, the creation of the PLO in itself was a product of the competition between the Arabs, who is a true, who is a true Arab, and uh, not uh, created the PLO, you know, competing for, um, you know, uh, uh, power, prestige, with other Iraq, Syria, and um, well. Yes, that's part of that's yeah. part of the narrative. But the narrative is, is very long, and unfortunately, they, it doesn't. Both narratives, there is no point where both narratives meet, and um, um, that's the story. You have no, I understand. I, I understand where you come. I just, I think you understand what I'm saying as well. So, um, before I let you go, the book is still available. Your current the book, book is available in Amazon on Amazon, yes, and um, I think I'm going to publish it now um, in an audio. I'm going to inquire about an audio um, version of it. Yes, it's available, and um, I hope your listeners uh, buy it. <laughs> it's called it. It's called War Widow: How the Six Day War Changed My Life. Dr. Tziva right. Backman Flamhaf is a lecturer. Political Science Queens College is our guest. Thank you for being with us. Look forward to having you back again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.